What's up, everybody? This is Wacky Wednesday here on the Arrowhead Attic channel. I'm Adam Best, here as always with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes, no longer Sterling Goose Holmes. I saw we got rid of that. Uh, and producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. Very excited. I think for May, we have a pretty juicy show. Mmm, juicy. One thing I hate is when people call meat juicy. It's one of my pet peeves. Nothing sounds worse to me than juicy chicken. Like, don't make chicken juicy. That sounds like I'm going to get salmonella. Uh, but by the way, shout juicy out burger to- though. Juicy burger sounds all right, right? No, just give me a good burger. Why is it going to be juicy? I don't want to be wet. Uh, Kyle, I don't want a moist burger. Come on. I don't want it like crunchy, but come on. Uh, Shout out to Kyle Hendricks in the chat. He says, would love a shout out as much as I love this show. You guys rock and give the best content. Well, anyone who says something that nice to us, I have to give a shout out. So shout out, Kyle. But yes, you're right, Best. This is going to be a fun show. Yeah, I kind of wish the schedule was already out. You know, because then we could we could chop it up. We could go through it. And last week, kind of the same thing happened where immediately after we got off air, Donovan Smith signs the dotted line. That was kind of frustrating. Uh, but at least we know when we play the Bengals. And, and I got to tell you, I think they are our biggest rival at this point because they are a completely delusional fan base. They think that we don't run the NFL when we do. And I'm looking forward to, they came into 2023 thinking they were the better franchise. And, you know, despite no staying power that that has been demonstrated, right? We've seen a couple of years. We know their ownership is not good. And then we beat them. So New Year's Eve, I want to uh, send them into 2024, bending the knee, knowing that the Chiefs and the Chiefs fans are the superior franchise. Yeah, and we'll find that out week 17. So now with the additional week 18, the Bengals game will be the second to last game of the season. Uh, regular season, obviously. Ringing in the new year, New Year's Eve. I'm excited for it, honestly. I know some people wanted it to be at the beginning of this season, but I don't mind it being at the end. There's going to be a lot at stake, a lot on the line. I know if you're a Chiefs fan, you, you maybe want to get that out of the way early. You want to ease into the playoffs, but sometimes you want to have that playoff game so you know what to expect come playoff time. Right. Iron sharpens iron. And yeah, there probably will be a lot on the line for that game. But the Chiefs schedule, as we all know, is never going to be easy. When they continuously win as much as they do, they're always going to be playing the the toughest schedule in the NFL. It's, it's what happens, and every team gets up for them. The same way Chiefs fans, we got up when Kyle Orton beat the undefeated Green Bay Packers. That was a huge deal. Like the Houston Texans playing the Chiefs close last year, that was a huge deal for Houston. Every single time a team plays Kansas City, that's a playoff game for them. It's a red-letter game. You know, you circle that with the, with the red circle. Uh, and I think that's just – where we're at, we've won 11 more games over the past five years than any other franchise. So from here until AI takes over our society, we are going to be you know, facing a first place schedule. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the new segment that uh, you created, uh, I want to give a shout out to DraftKings. Go to DraftKings, use code Arrowhead. If you bet $5 on any sport, you get 150 bucks back in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose, DraftKings 
Arrowhead. New customers only. 200 plus and physically present in Kansas. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Valid one offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Again, Arrowhead on DraftKings. One thing before we dive in. Did you happen to hear what Andy Reid said on the New Heights podcast when they were they, they were talking about uh, burgers, I guess? And he said he has to go to Whataburger because he has to make sure that Mahomes gets paid enough. I think that's like subtle shots fired at Mike Florio, right? <laughs> yeah, slightly. I, I love that dude who doesn't know anything about it and just says the most obvious stuff and then tries to have a hot take and everyone just knows it's going to backfire in his face. That's always great. Exactly. So welcome to the new segment. It is called The Verdict. Everyone loves some good courtroom drama, right? So we are going to review some cases against the Chiefs and even the NFL. And Sterling me, collaboratively with you guys, with the chat, we're going to reach a verdict after having thorough discussions. Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Doesn't get any more intense than those two dudes. So let's dive right in. The charge is the Chiefs made a huge mistake giving right tackle Jawan Taylor left tackle money. Mm. How are you feeling about and This is a pretty widespread accusation on Chiefs Twitter and, and, and probably on Chiefs radio throughout the discourse. Uh... Kind of want to hear your thoughts on it. Dun dun. That's all I think about is the what was that like? I, I don't watch those shows. I think it's Law and just, Order, but I yeah. get Law and Order and CSI and all of them confused. That's all I think about is dun dun. Uh, but before we, you know, bring up whether it's a win or lose when we come up with our verdict, let's lay some facts out. We got to get the facts out of the way and let us, you and myself, best as well as everyone in the chat decide what to think. This is. Was it 12 good men, 12 bad men, 12 average men? 12 uh, angry men. 12 angry men. I knew there was some some uh, adjective in there. So 12 angry men, but hopefully we're not angry about this. We're more level-headed. So we'll be uh, two, you and me, and however many people are in the chat, um, relatively level-minded people. Uh, let's talk about the cap. So the cap management in 2022, uh, Andrew Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley counted $19.1 million against the cap. In 2023, uh, Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor are 14.8 uh, million against the cap. That's if Smith hits all his incentives. So for this year, it'll be cheaper. In the long haul, I will say no because Jawan Taylor's contract, as we all know, is going to go up. But in this year, in year one, it's cheaper for this season than it would be with Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley. Right, and that's if you know if Smith is a bust, we owe him three million. Right. So it's very similar to the deal we did with Juju Smith-Schuster last year. It's a prove-it deal. It's Donovan Smith coming in and resetting his market or attempting to. So that's why I, I think he'll be motivated. And my feeling on this is that the blindside protector is a bit of a fallacy. In an, in an era when quarterbacks are extending plays more than ever, uh, playing out of structure, throwing from all kinds of funky angles. Uh, 
you know, right tackle is almost as important as, as left tackle. That's why Lane Johnson, for example, makes the big bucks. You know, Max Crosby, he, did, he lined up almost exclusively against Andrew Wiley, right? So I think we need to rethink left tackle versus right tackle and also rethink the entire offensive line as a weak link system. I heard yesterday Steve from PFF said that the Chiefs have the best line in the league because it's the most complete. They don't have one glaring hole. They don't have that weak link that, that makes you know coaches panic. They're at least average to above average everywhere, and they've got two elite players. So I think any fan freakout that's going on isn't warranted uh, personally, but we can keep digging in here. So for me, the depth of this offensive line is incredible. But when it comes to strictly left tackle, I think this is a downgrade. I know some people are going to yell at me and be angry with me and, and, and call Orlando Brown Jr. a bum like fans like to do. But let's have some nuance here. Orlando Brown Jr. was really solid the second half of the season. His play style isn't ideal for what the Chiefs offense, uh, how it's run. But neither is Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith was a penalty factory last year. He was benefited a little bit by how quick Tom Brady gets the ball out. So if you think pressures were an issue with Orlando Brown Jr., why would it not be when a guy who gave a lot of pressures last year with a dude who throws the ball out in two seconds? It's going to be um, it's going to be noticeable. Um, I can also make the case that Donovan Smith, um, you know, his age and everything, that was his drop-off season, but I'm not. I'm going to try and take the positive approach here. Donovan Smith was very solid the few years before last year, and why was that the reason? Well, he had the same offensive line. He worked with the same dudes for a few years, and that sort of continuous um, – Continuity, right? Continuity. They, thank you for the word. Con- continuity really helps. We, we saw last year Orlando Brown Jr.'s worst games were when Joe Tooney was out. It makes a difference. Eric Fisher had a lot of trouble at times when there was a revolving door at left guard. When you don't have the continuity on the offensive line, it makes it harder for everyone. So the Buccaneers offensive line was absolutely decimated. And because of that, I think it put more pressure and more legit pressure on Donovan Smith. He wasn't up for it. So get him here with Andy Heck, Joe Tooney to the, to the right of him. I think we'd probably see a return to form for Donovan Smith. Yeah, it also must be said that he started this season with an elbow injury and finished it with a, with a foot injury. I don't know that he was right the entire season. And the other thing here is the entire Bucks roster was not right last season. They, they simply fell apart. They were a mess. That they got into the playoffs is a complete joke. But, you know, that's the division they're in, right? Uh, he's kind of been labeled as a front runner, someone with potential motivation issues. Which is, which is not great, but he was better when the Bucs were contenders. So you think about a player like that coming in to play with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and for Andy Reid and Andy Heck, one of the better offensive line coaches in the, in the league. If, if he can't rebound here, then he's done, then he's washed. But I, I tend to think he will rebound. I know the penalties. I don't want to gloss over them. I think they're a little bit like drops. You know, they're, they're probably overblown uh, by fans. And, you know, Tom Brady threw the ball a lot. He did get rid of the ball a little quicker, but Patrick Mahomes got rid of the ball quicker than he ever has last season. That's a fact. He was a little bit more 
of a uh, quick draw artist, if you will. So for me, Smith has never played on the right. Taylor has basically very seldomly played on the left, right? You could almost say he's never really played there. So I just think this makes a lot of sense. They probably went into the draft thinking if the draft goes a certain way and there's a slide on tackles, we might take one in the first round and we might get our left tackle or we might get our starting right tackle either way. But that didn't happen. Paris Johnson went earlier than everybody assumed at six and the, all the great tackles were gone long before Brett Beach got on the board. So I think they had, they had to pivot. And with, with Wanye Morris, there's something going on here that I call Justin Ross syndrome and it's fans valuing unknown commodities over known commodities you know, you can, if a player hasn't stepped on the NFL field yet, you can imagine them to be whatever you want them to be. Right. And with Donovan Smith, there's a long enough track record to, to know what he is. Yeah. I, I will say this, the NFL valued Orlando Brown Jr. Way higher than Donovan Smith. That should tell you something. It's never going to be completely right. I understand that. But what the NFL showed you was that Orlando Brown Jr. Was the, most coveted free agent offensive lineman. He was. Look at the contract. Yeah, it wasn't Trent Williams' money, but look at what it was. That's a lot of damn money. But Juwan Taylor got paid more, mo- got paid I, more I, money. Maybe I, he, I, was, maybe he was the most paid coveted. for Juwan Taylor to me. I, I will say that first and foremost, Brett Veach is the best GM right now in football. Him and Howie Roseman are going for it. I have no qualms with Brett Veach. I, zero. Two Super Bowls in five years. I'm happy. But we have to critique something. I'm not just going to sit here. This would be a very boring show if we just sit here and said everything he did is perfection. We know that's not the case. We, we know that Breland Speaks happened. We understand that every GM, no matter how great you are, there's going to be one or two areas where you, you have a miss. I don't know if this is necessarily a miss, but I think it was an overpay for Juwan Taylor. We talked to Tim Grunard yesterday, and Tim Grunard basically said the guys he talked to in the Jaguars organization, Juwan Taylor's a right tackle. They don't see him as a left tackle. He's very athletic, probably going to be a damn good right tackle. Maybe not Lane Johnson, but a very good right tackle. But that is a ton of money to pay a right tackle. I get what you're saying, right tackle, left tackle. Is there a huge difference? Well, there is when it comes to the money they get. It might not be as much as it used to be as far as on the field, but you can't use the one outlier, which is Lane Johnson. You can't bring that guy up and say, well, that's that's who this guy should be. That's the contract. That's where they're going. I don't think they are. I don't think they are. Chiefs fans, more than maybe any fan base outside of the Eagles, should understand the importance of a right tackle because Mitchell Schwartz, for my money, was a better player than Eric Fisher ever was. Sure. No one's going to disagree there. But if if, if Schwartz did that on the left side, he would have gotten paid two times as much money as he would have uh, on the right. That's how the contracts work. The Chiefs overpaid for Juwan Taylor, who was a good player last year, not taking anything away from him. But was he deserving of being the highest paid right tackle? I don't think anyone would say that. No one would say that. I think with him, we kind of have to wait and see for a couple of reasons. Last year was the first time he really had a serious coaching regime. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the previous year with Urban Meyer was, was a complete mockery. You know, you, you, you got to give him a mulligan for that. The other thing is this buys the Chiefs more time. It buys Wanye Morris time, it buys Lucas Nyang time, and it buys Juwan Taylor time to potentially get his footwork right, you know, adapt to a different position. 
So I think kicking the can down down the road a year for only nine million additional and getting a guy that that started 16 games for a Super Bowl champion, it was the best move they had on the table. And I think this line is about as good as you can get without over allocating resources. No, a hundred percent. And I see some comments. We will talk about Tyreek Hill later on. Uh, we're going to get to that just just shortly, but we're talking right now about the offensive line. And what, what it comes down to for me is, again, this is the deepest offensive line the Chiefs have had probably since Mahomes has been here. I don't think there's any denying that. I, I, I'm very happy at this the current state of the offensive line. I just wonder if it could have been better keeping Orlando Brown Jr. and – Maybe – I mean, he's cheaper than Jawan Taylor. You tell me right now who would you rather have, Jawan Taylor or Orlando Brown Jr. I, I honestly might say Orlando Brown Jr., at least in the year 2023. I think we're putting a lot of hope on the potential of Jawan Taylor. That's a great thing. It's a great thing. The upside of, of Jawan Taylor is much higher. Orlando Brown Jr., in my eyes, is a finished product. I said it when he got here to Kansas City, and I'll say it now. I've been very consistent in this. He is who he is. Jawan Taylor, way more upside, way more athletic, probably fits the scheme better, but you're paying him a lot more money at a position where typically that contract is not as high. So he better be damn good. He better play like Lane Johnson because that's where the contract states it is. Yeah, and I, I think he's, as I like to say, a dancing bear. His feet, he can, he can move with Mahomes as the, as the uh, plays break and the second, you know, the buy one, get one play starts. I think that is one big reason to buy in. He's not only more athletic than Orlando Brown by a wide, wide margin, but also Andrew Wiley. And I think the upgrade, even if you see Donovan Smith as a downgrade on Orlando Brown Jr., he is a smaller downgrade uh, from Orlando Brown Jr. than uh, Jawan Taylor is an upgrade over over Andrew Wiley, if you see see what I'm saying. So I think in in the aggregate, their offensive line gets a bump over last year even though it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. No, it's fine. Again, I, I've said it. This is the deepest offensive line the Chiefs have had. I, I think Wanye Morris is um, a great, great, great draft pick. I'm very intrigued by that. This doesn't fill, though, the Chiefs' long-term goal of a long-term left tackle. Again, talking to some people, they don't see Juwan Taylor as a left tackle, which means he's going to be the, the right tackle of the future, which means, well, that Niang pick doesn't mean a whole bunch. What's that mean about Wanye Morris? Hopefully Wanye Morris then could be the left tackle, but who knows? Maybe this is a case of you have to beat out Donovan Smith. The the contract given to Donovan Smith, in my opinion, is actually a very good one for Kansas City. It's very incentive-based. 66.66, repeating, of course, percentage of the contract is incentive-based, right? Like, it's good. I have no qualms with the signing itself, but it doesn't necessarily fix the long-term issue at left tackle unless you're hoping Wanye Morris potentially Jawan Taylor, uh, if whoever the Chiefs draft next year can be the long-term solution. This just buys you time. Then I'm all ears, but it does not fix the issue of how much money was given to uh, Jawan Taylor. Again, if he turns into Lane Johnson, I will be thrilled. If it turns out he does become the left tackled, I will be thrilled. But where it stands right now on May 10th, that money for a right tackle, again, it's a sunk cost. It's a sunk cost. Nothing you can do about it now. There's nothing we can do about it now. We're just analyzing it right now. It, it might go down as a bad contract. But also the salary cap is about to make a big jump. So that could be a factor. The thing about Wanye 
and Lucas Niang, if you get a swing tackle, I mean, even if just Wanye became a swing tackle, a good backup swing tackle that could play on either side, and Lucas Niang busted, in the third round, getting, getting a great depth piece, I mean, that's really important. We could have used that in the uh, Super Bowl versus the Bucks, right? We did not have that, and that pretty much sealed our fate. So I think the depth is the other factor here that, I mean, we haven't even talked about Nick Allegretti or Darren Kennard. We've yep. got other pieces, other guys that have some versatility on that line. And I think that's the thing that really excites me about this is we're not going to look at another situation like what happened in that uh, 2021 playoff run. No, not at all. Th- this, again, is the best spot the Chiefs offensive line has been in at least for 2023 when it comes to eventually what's going to happen with uh, a Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, those contracts we'll find out, but they at least have Juwan Taylor under contract for obviously four years. They at least have that spot figured, at least that guy figured out after Donovan Smith. We'll see again. I I'm pretty entranced by Wanye Morris, but if Tim Grunard says Juwan Taylor is not going to be a left tackle, what he's heard then the Chiefs have a oversatur- oversaturation of right tackles on this mark on this team, and the draft picks are kind of redundant. Keep taking stabs at it, you know. Keep taking bites at the apple. Eventually, one will stick. But we've got to make a ruling here, collectively, on this charge of over basically overpaying a right tackle and giving him left tackle money. Do we see the Chiefs as guilty or not guilty here? It's a sunk cost. No, I, I, I'll, I'll say guilty. I, I do think just because, again, I, I like Juwan Taylor. I'm not saying I don't like him. I don't think he's not going to be a good right tackle. But if he's only going to be a right tackle, which is what I'm starting to hear now, then I don't like that contract. I, I just don't. I understand where you're coming from. I understand the point of right tackle, left tackle, who cares. But when the rest of the NFL – doesn't pay right tackle the same at left tackle. You don't want to be the team that does that. He's not Lane Johnson. He's not. Don't, don't It's like paying Juju Smith-Schuster Tyreek Hill money. You're not doing that. Juju's a good player. He's not a Hall of Famer. Juwan Taylor's, or, uh, Juwan Taylor's probably a good player. Lane Johnson's the Hall of Famer. You don't give, yeah, I, you don't give I, I Hall agree. of Fame contracts to good players. I agree. However, left tackles don't really hit the market. What happened with Trent Williams – was one did the Chiefs had one? He he. I mean, everyone sees him as a right tackle too. That's the thing about Orlando Brown. The league views him as a right tackle. That's why he had a, uh, such a tough time finding a landing spot that actually wanted to use him on the left. So I mean, they were kind of already in this predicament in a way. I'm going not guilty because I think in terms of what was available to them on the free agent market this offseason. They found the best players they could, the best situation they could uh, with what was there. So I'm going to say not guilty, but I think just from kind of being a weather vane out there on social media that the majority of the kingdom disagrees with me. I, so, I, again, I will say I trust Brett Veach. I'm not, it's not me taking a shot at him saying he's not doing – I know more than him. I don't know more than him, but again – this is one move I, I think is fair to be a little critical about if Juwan Taylor, which looks like it's going to be, is only playing right tackle. So this is like in boxing, how they have a split decision. 
we're going to go guilty, but I want to be on the record that I was not one of the jurors that said guilty. This council has no hesitation in proclaiming you all guilty. 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 The next one is the NFL screwed up by robbing Arrowhead and national TV audiences of Tyreek Hill's Arrowhead homecoming. So to set the table here, the report that I've heard is that the NFL originally wanted to schedule the Chicago Bears versus the Chiefs in Germany. And the Chiefs wanted the Bears to play at Arrowhead for some reason. I'm not sure if that is uh, because Chicago is a local team. And can, maybe- can I touch on that? I actually have a little bit of, of this. So from what, sure. I, what I have heard um, with Chicago, the reason why the Chiefs said, no, we want Chicago to be a home game. Uh, Chicago, I believe, has not played in Kansas City in eight years, and they have a massive, massive fan base. Whether they're good or bad, Chicago has a massive, massive fan base. Because they've not been there, and I th- what I heard, I thought it was eight years. That was the main reason why. Uh, I know some folks think that this is going to be the highest paid, the highest, most expensive Chiefs game all season long, which I find a little hard to believe, but that's what I heard. So because of that, that's the reason why they have the Chiefs and Bears instead of the Bears being the one that's in Germany. It makes complete sense. And Bears fans are saying, oh, you know, the Chiefs fear uh, Justin Fields. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. But – why in the world did they pick Miami instead of, say, Detroit? I mean, Detroit was an obvious pick to me to put over there. There's, there's no kind of rivalry. There's no kind of angle. So you make that game a little bit more sexy by putting it overseas. I, I mean, Tyreek Hill returning to Arrowhead was one of the biggest storylines, in my eyes, of the entire season. You have, you have a, a household name versus the best team in the league that he left uh, facing off. And, and I just don't think you kind of squander that by, you know, sending it overseas and having it at, uh, you know, eight or nine in the morning or whatever, depending on where you're located. Maybe the best comment ever on this site. If the Bears wanted to see Patrick Mahomes play, they should have drafted him. Ooh, that's nails. Man, Angry I- German, come get your medal. Come get your medal. Come get the gold. Oh, man, that's outstanding. Um, you, you know, my one of my best friends is a Bears fan. And really, for his soul, for the, for the betterment of his soul, I hope Justin Fields turns out because uh, he is just tortured. And I think that's kind of indicative of where the entire fan base is. They are just haunted like this by this, kind of like the uh, Portland Trailblazers were haunted by picking Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. I mean, it's that kind of... It's that kind of air or goof that uh, if they don't turn this around, I don't think they'll ever uh, recover from. I have multiple qualms with the Chiefs playing the Dolphins in Germany. Uh, Take Tyree Kill out of the equation for one second. The Dolphins are a good team. They're a playoff contender. The Chiefs are giving up a home game where that actually might come into play. I would much rather the Chiefs play a team who's not as as talented, who's not as good. Now, I'm not saying the Dolphins are as good as Kansas City, but we know that they were a sneaky good team last year. Their offense was electric. I don't like that. That that gives me a little bit of cause to pause. Any contender, I want the Chiefs to have a chance to play at home. There's an advantage there. 
Um, the Chiefs are going to have a great fan base overseas uh, in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, I know we have a lot of German listeners on this show as well. I know talking to them, Kansas City is very popular in Germany. So that's obviously a, a positive, but it's still not going to be Arrowhead. It just won't have the same home field advantage. That's an issue. And then obviously Tyreek Hill. Come on. We all wanted to see it. The chance to boo Tyreek Hill in person, to throw up the deuces against him. I know we all have, at least I do, a soft spot for Tyreek Hill. I hope he goes up in the ring of honor. I hope if he goes to the Hall of Fame, it's with a Chiefs hat, right? Like, I hope all those things. But while he's in Miami, boo that man. Boo that man. I'm fine with it. And the the NFL took this away from us. I'm not happy. I'm not happy either. Booing someone like that is just part of – part of the sport, part of the sports world. And this is well before your time. And I was very young, but I know, I remember when Bo Jackson was playing for the Royals and he came back to Arrowhead in a Raiders uniform. He got the shit boot out of him. And, and, you know, I think Tyreek even wouldn't have it any other way because it's just, it's just, there's something epic about that kind of uh, backdrop. He's taken the villain vibe. He's yeah, running with totally. it. He's doing a good job. I mean, it, it, it's good. It needed to be said. Like, but he's a good villain. It's fun. Let the fans have the fun. Uh, when it's all said and done, and his career is over. I think we're all going to remember him as a Kansas City Chief. We're all going to remember the great things he did here. He's the all-time Chiefs leading receiver. He's the best wide receiver the Chiefs have ever had in their history. Uh, Otis Taylor makes the makes the case, but you obviously it's I think Tyreek Hill. It, it's just one of those situations where right now. Let us have some fun. Uh, I like what John says in the chat. Who cares where we play any team? As long as we beat them, I'm with you. But it's easy to say right now on May 10th, I do think it does help when you are the home team. Arrowhead does have that mystique, that advantage, being at home, at your home place. That helps. Um, I don't know. I would like every advantage possible against a playoff contender. And home field advantage might be overrated, but just this is one of the best narratives of the entire 2023 season. And it just feels like the NFL just totally botched it, just totally punted it. You know, it's not going to matter as much over in Germany, not nearly as much. I'm on the same page as you about the Dolphins. They've been, they've been trading picks and spending money like it's burning a hole in their pocket. They brought in Jalen Ramsey. This is a, this is a real team. You know, they, they brought in a running back who I think has a dark horse shot at uh, offensive rookie of the year and uh, Devon a chain, one of the fastest players uh, in the league now, as if they needed any more speed, which is, you know, this is a fast team that on any given Sunday can rip, rip off three or four huge explosive plays, you know, 70 yard touchdowns. We've seen them do it before. So yeah, you, you want any kind of even slim advantage you can get over the Miami dolphins. I like Nick in the chat. The booze will hit harder if he hears them in another country. Hear them in another language. Uh, I don't know how to boo in German. It might still just be German. I just know how to order beers. Dry beer, bitte. Give me three beers. Voest ein Badzima. Where's the bathroom? That's all you need. Beers in bathroom. That's right. I do like us expanding our global uh, footprint and kind of becoming the, the team of Germany, but not at this price. Yeah. Find another team. The Lions were right there. You know what I mean? Like, so it's time for another verdict. 
One second, though. I, I yeah. will say one quick thing. The Bills also have to give up a home game. The Bills are giving up a home game to play the Jaguars in London. So there's some sort of fairness to it. If only Cincinnati had to as well. I think the three top dogs in the AFC, it'd be fair if all three of them had to give up a home game to play overseas. But the Bills have to play overseas against the Jags. I can make the case Jags are probably as good as Miami at this point. The Jags actually won a playoff game last year. The Jaguars are a sneaky good team. So if you want to at least play the fairness card, the Bills have to do the same thing. Yeah. And boy, the NFL is really trying to make the Jaguars happen in uh in London, right? It's it's like it's Back like eight weeks. They're gonna spend a month overseas. I I know. It's like uh Mean Girls, right? You know, stop trying to make Fetch happen. It's just not going to happen. But they're not very popular in their own city. So they've got to find, I, I mean, are they planning to move the Jaguars to London? Is that, is that what's uh, going on here? Shad Khan and his villainous mustache. It's a beautiful mustache. It's, I'll give him that. I, I don't have a lot of faith in him as an owner after, after hiring Urban Meyer. I mean, uh, but let's get to our verdict. Guilty. Or not guilty. Guilty. They, they are so guilty that I am I am irate. I'm livid. They've irked me. They now have my ire. I'm angry. Okay. I am one of twelve uh angry jurors on this right now. Cause yes, they screwed up. The NFL, they they blew it. Okay. They had a three-foot putt to win the Masters and they put it off the green. And they seven jacked from there and they lost all that money. I'm angry, okay? I hate it. Yeah, it was a Scott Norwood. You know, they they shanked it. There's no question about it. This what they deprived us, Chiefs fans, and also Dolphins fans of of a really special moment. Of a moment, a lot of these games you don't remember three or four years down the line, let alone ten years down the line. We would have remembered Tyreek coming back to Arrowhead thirty years from now. So they are uh, guilty as can be. That's the verdict here. This council has no hesitation in proclaiming you all guilty. 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 Let's move on to the next charge. Brett Beach was Brett Reach when he stated that Kadarius Tony could become a true wide receiver one. What do you think here, Sterling? Limited sample size. In the limited sample size, he's mostly been a gadget wide receiver. What I find what I find intriguing is in that limited sample size with the Chiefs, he was actually used more vertically at times, and he was able to go up and come down with the ball. We always remember the one where he was like adjusting his his gloves as he went up and got it. But the main concern with Kadarius Tony has always been injuries. It's always been injuries. He got over injuries in Kansas City. We thought, all right, they're behind him. It was all a hoax. He was basically saying, yeah, I was healthy and the Giants wouldn't play him with his hamstrings. He got here. Well, he got got hurt again. I, I think we're going to see him as a Sammy Watkins, where the talent is undeniable. Hmm. Maybe healthier than Sammy to an extent. I think, I think Tony will play through more than Watkins did. But I don't see a guy who's now been injured in multiple spots all of a sudden say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm 100% good to go. It seems like those hamstring injuries are one of those ones that always continuously pop up. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. 
because I think he's so talented. He's a joy to watch. I love Kadarius Tony. Just we got to find a way to keep those hammies healthy. Those string cheese hamstrings. Got to strengthen them. But I do think New York under Joe Judge was a complete and utter mess. And I do buy stock in a little bit that he is more bought in in Kansas City, that he's more focused, that he's that he's working harder, that he has a better training staff and coaching staff around him. And remember, this is someone who hasn't been playing receiver for that long. He switched his senior year at Florida. He was recruited as a quarterback, then kind of uh, used as an athlete in the backfield, in the slot, in line, out wide, just a little bit of everything. And they really moved him to exclusively wide receiver as a senior. So, and when you factor in that the Giants misused him, there was one game where they actually utilized him like a proper wide receiver one against Dallas, a good team, a good defense. What did he do? 10 catches, 189 yards. That gives me a lot of hope. The other thing, and and uh, small sample size alert here, but he led the Chiefs in yards per out run at 2.15. He was 16th league wide in that metric, pretty good. Uh, he led the Chiefs in yards per reception at 6.7, and he led the Chiefs in catch percentage at 82.1%. So, I mean, we were seeing some some tantalizing signs uh, but I agree the health concerns are, are what really scare me off. But I, I do not think that he's been used properly. I think that he has been miscast as a gadget player when he does have vertical ability. He has intelligence. You know, he's an ex-quarterback. Everyone on the Chiefs talks about his intelligence. And, and maybe you don't think that because he, he can be a bit of a goof and the rap stuff and everything else but he is highly intelligent. So I, I think developing a, a full route tree shouldn't necessarily be a problem. Yeah, I, I think you'll probably see a little bit of what Tyreek Hill went from rookie year to second year in his progression where, all right, he's a gadget guy, he's the return man, but he's never going to grow if he's taking these unnecessary hits. I Again, I think that's why Richie James was brought in, was why I love the Richie James signing. You take some of those unnecessary hits off of Kadarius Toney. You use Richie James more like McCole Hardman than anything else. You take that role away from Tony so he can focus on being the best wide receiver, strict wide receiver he can be. If that's the case, then I do believe this at least a little bit. It's going to come down to health, but those unnecessary hits being taken off him should help at least to some sort of an extent. Um, I like Tony, man. I really like Darius Tony. I, I'm very much intrigued and tantalized by the upside, by the potential, but I was with Sammy Watkins too. I've been let down before. I don't want to be let down again. Well, Sammy Watkins was an incredible prospect coming out of, of, of Clemson, and he kind of fell apart in Buffalo. He was a bad, you know, bad situation there. He got depressed, didn't take care of his body. The team didn't connect with him. And he was just never, frankly, the same. Now, I'm hoping that the Chiefs reached Kadarius Tony before his body became ruined. Or, well, he, he, he does seem, and you mentioned earlier, he seems in. He seems bought in. The, the, the words he's saying, the expressions, just the way he's gone about ever since he's come here to Kansas City has been nothing but exemplary. I, 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 I'm bought in on Tony being bought in. 
which I do think, as you mentioned, it's, it's a big thing. It is important. Yeah. And he, he's a freaky mover. I think he has the potential to do this. And really the only thing standing in his way injuries. So personally, I don't think Brett Beach was reaching when he said, this kid has the capacity to be special. I mean, he was here when Tyreek Hill was developing, who, who went from uh, a, a basically running back picked in the fifth round because of character concerns into uh, one of the greatest deep threats in NFL history. And, and frankly, also a complete receiver. And there, there are very few of those in the league, guys who can run any route, guys who can go up and be ball winners, guys who are, who are uh, field stretchers. So he's seen this before. I don't think he's talking out of his ass. Uh, I'm leaning not guilty. I'm not guilty. I, I think it's not guilty too. I, also, when it says he can become a true wide receiver one. Yeah, I think he can. I think he can become one. Injuries obviously are part of the equation, but as far as just talent is concerned, yes, I, I do. So I think not guilty. If Kadarius Tony Kadarius Tony is healthy, he is and will be a wide receiver one. I'm liking it to Tyreek Hill. He won't be Tyreek Hill. He, I don't think he's going to be that talented. I, like That's the outlier. I hate pointing out outliers. That's unfair. It's, it's not the best. But he's going to be a legit wide receiver one. I'm in on Kadarius Tony. He might be a bit of anomal, uh, an anomaly in his own right. You know, he is he's a freaky mover. When it comes to breaking ankles, I would say he's even more skilled in that regard than Tyreek. Now, does he have Tyreek's uh, world-class speed? You know, Tyreek has the best speed I have ever seen on a football field, period. Quickness. It's the quickness from him. It's the quickness from Hill, his cuts. He gets to top speed so fast. It's unbelievable. And not just vertically, in every single direction, you know, and, and he doesn't lose any speed with the pads on. So these are totally different players. But Kadarius Tony is special in his own right. He was a top 20 pick for a reason. So we're going not guilty here. Mm-hmm. Brett Veach, you can relax. Well, he, he, he can rela- relax with those rings. I think he's fine. <laughs> he sleeps on a pillow of uh, championship confetti, right? Yeah, he's fine. I, I, don't, think, I don't think Brett Veach is going to take uh, to heart what we have to say either way. And either way, I'm thrilled with what he's done. There, I said it. I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill. I know I'm alone thinking that Brett Veach is great, but uh, apparently I'm the only one. Well, and... and- I like Brett Beach being like that. I, I love him not caring what the optics are in the moment. He has conviction. He acts on that conviction. He he doesn't mind that people judging him right now are going to be wrong more often than not two or three years down the road. Uh, and I think the great thing about it is he's got the trust of Clark Hunt. He's got the trust of Andy Reid. So they can think long-term. They can do the things they really believe in. And they don't have to be worried about losing their jobs because really half the coaches at least and general managers in the league are probably more concerned about keeping their jobs than winning. If we're being totally honest here. Have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. We find the defendant not guilty. Uh, Let's get into the next one. The charge? Chris Jones' quest to bring back Frank Clark is an ill-advised one. What do we think here? I don't know, man. This is tough. Uh, Frank Clark, as we know, has been overpaid, a lot given up for him, but then he shows up in the playoffs. There's no denying his impact in big games when it matters most. 
He's incredible. The Chiefs, when I went down their death chart, they have typically over the past three years kept 10 defensive linemen on the active roster. Chiefs right now can make the case they have eight or nine. They like to have that veteran dude. I, I don't count Joshua Kando. I'm not counting Malik Herring. I'm not counting BJ Thompson. I am counting, uh, I'm counting Coburn, Turk Wharton, Derek Noddy, and Chris Jones. And then that leaves six edges. That leaves the opportunity for six edges if they so choose to do so, which they have the past three years. Now, Clark Hunt, or Clark, not Clark Hunt. I don't think Clark Hunt's going to get out there and put some pads on. Frank Clark, on the other hand, he knows the system, shows up in big games, and if he wants to win another championship, in the words of Chris Jones, finish it, which I don't know what finishing it is. Is, is it three championships? Is it five is it just playing another year? I don't know what finish it means, but when it comes to finishing it, if Frank Clark comes back, he's going to have to take a pay cut. That's what's going to have to be. Whether the, whether the Chiefs go up to Chris Jones and say, hey, yeah, you want him back so bad, you want that new contract, that's fine and all. Now give us a couple mil off it so we can give to Frank. It's going to happen. That ain't going to happen. The Chiefs paid $3 million for Carlos Dunlap. What did they give for Melvin Ingram? Halfway through the season, they give a six-rounder. How much was Terrell Suggs? What was it? End of the year, middle of the season, they brought him in. Like, that's what's going to have to happen. The that Chiefs, was like vet minimum, right? Basically, the Chiefs are looking for a vet minimum, and that's going to be what Frank Clark uh, is going to have to accept if he wants to come back to Kansas City. The The thing that, that gives me a little cause to pause, he's 29. He's 29. He's younger than Jadavian Clowney. He's a year older than Unique Ngakwe. Like, he probably thinks he still has a couple years left. He probably thinks that he can still be a starter. If he comes here and comes back to Kansas City, you're probably looking at a 30% snap count. You're looking at being behind Carl Loftus, behind FAU, behind Charles Aminahu. Maybe behind Mike Dana, because Mike Dana has been damn good. Very solid. And, and Very speaking solid. of Mike, Mike Dana, his pass rush win rate was basically the exact same as Frank Clark's last year. So we already have a guy in-house who's a veteran who does a lot of the same things. Now, for a 29-year-old, Frank Clark has a lot of mileage on him because, you know, the the uh, autoimmune issues that have been speculated upon, you've got those. He's racked up some injuries. He's played in a lot of postseason games. That's the thing about the Chiefs and staying healthy is they're playing they're playing three or four extra games almost every season because of their playoff runs, which is which is kind of unique. Uh, I mean, just looking at this analytically. Because I think it, it is a little hard not to get caught up in sentiment. You know, this guy's been through a lot. He came back to the Chiefs and was willing no, to no longer be a star, to kind of check his ego and let Chris Jones be the, the focus of the defensive game plan. And then the emotion after winning the Super Bowl, the last Super Bowl, I think it really got the Chiefs fans. And I understand why. We, we all want to root for these guys. Uh However, I don't think I've ever seen a bigger 180 from a fan base to about 18 months ago. They wanted this guy, you know, catapulted into the sun. And now you say a bad thing about it and you, you get, you know, you almost, you almost get stoned, right? Um, so Stone cold. Stone cold. Well, it comes full circle. Um, I think that the way to build a dynasty is to not fall for the sentimental trap. You have to be almost more ruthless than other franchises. And you can afford to be because 
I mean, let's face it. Donovan Smith could probably get more money elsewhere. Frank Clark is going to be able to get more money elsewhere. Some other team that's trying to build a culture will, will think, here's a guy whose name brings a lot of clout. He, he's a vocal guy. He's been in playoff wars. He will come in our locker room and give our defense an edge like he gave the Kansas City Chiefs an edge. I mean, when he, when he stepped up during the playoffs that week and said, we're going to shut down Derrick Henry, and then the Chiefs did it, I, I mean, I, I think him going out on a, on a limb to say that uh, really had an impact on, on the defense, a defense that had been soft up until that point. So I think there's probably another team in the league that's going to throw the bag at this guy and think that uh, – and, and if you're Frank – and you're facing all these injuries and everything, you're looking for one last payday. So yep. the missing thing here is, is does Frank even want to come back? Yeah. You know? Again, that, that's been my main take the whole time is Frank Clark. We understand if he comes back, it's going to be on a team friendly deal. If he goes somewhere else, it's because he, he thinks he has one last chance to be a starter and to get one last multi-year contract. Uh, I do never hit one comment. I find, uh, uh, Interesting. That's Brian Gale says, I love you, Sterling. We're going to leave it there. I love you too, Brian. No, I'm kidding. He, he goes, uh, Taylor will be will be the starter at left tackle in 2024. Wanya Morris will be the starting right tackle in 2024. If that's the case, then I'm then I'm fine. If that's the case, then I'm fine. But again, listening to Tim Grunard and the sources he's talked to, they said they don't see Juwan Taylor ever transition to the left side, which gives me a lot of cause to pause. That's all I'm going to say. If that happens, Brian, I'm all in. That deal will make a ton of sense. It does make sense having Donovan Smith as your uh, holdover for one year, your bridge guy. If that's the case, Brian, I'm all in. I, I will retract all of what I said, but I just don't see that being the case from what I've heard. I also love you too, Brian. Thank you. I appreciate that. I like I like when people say that. It makes me feel good about myself. It makes you feel loved, feel cared for. But when it comes to Frank Clark, if he does come back, my pitch to him is this. Talking to Grunny yesterday, he could have left and made more money later in his career. But how much does that matter? How much does that matter over legacy? If Frank Clark stays here in Kansas City, he's going to go up in the ring of honor. If he stays two, three more years, even if it's not a major impact, how good the Chiefs are, we will remember him fondly as a Kansas City Chief. That legacy will be there. He will be doing interviews in 20 to 30 years about how great Kansas City was and what it was like playing with Patrick Mahomes and winning those, those rings. If he leaves, goes to Miami, goes to Jacksonville. It, it's a, yeah, he, he was a good piece for, for five years, four years. It was nice having him here. He stays a little longer. They win one more. I do think there's something to, to, to be said about that legacy. I know it's a lot of money. I get it. I'm not the one making that decision to give up probably what amounts to five, six million dollars. But how much has he made in his career and how much does he value legacy and sponsors and all this stuff afterwards? That's what Frank Clark needs to decide. Legacy or a couple more million. And, you know, Frank is one of the players, along with Orlando Brown and Eric Fisher, who I think have gotten the biggest boost when it comes to like Pro Bowls and whatnot from being on this franchise. So and then you remember he has a chance to break the all time postseason sack record. You know, if he won another Super Bowl or two in Kansas City and broke that record, I, I mean, I don't see him as a Hall of Famer, but what would voters think, right? The perception, I think, of, of Frank Clark is higher than we realize in the NFL mediascape and around the league. So I think he has a shot to 
to definitely get get into the ring of honor. But even if he doesn't have a chance at the Hall of Fame, which would probably be a slim one, leaving the game with the all-time postseason sack record and and you know a fistful of, of Super Bowl rings, uh, you're going to be a legend. You're going to be someone who is talked about in Kansas City uh, decades from now, generations from now, probably. Like my father talks about uh, Buck, uh, Buck Buchanan and Willie Lanier and th- those guys from from that ferocious defense. You well, know, if he wants to be one of those guys. Edelman. Think about Julian Edelman. That dude has right. worse stats than Dwayne Bowe, but people want to put him in the Hall of Fame because of the playoffs. I mean, it's true. Angry, drunken German. The playoffs are all that matters. It's true. No one cares that the Patriots went 20, what was it, 19, 18, and 0, then lost in the Super Bowl. You know what you remember? They lost in the Super Bowl. What matters is the playoffs. He's a postseason closer. I'm with you in all that. And if you want that legacy, if you want any chance, this is your best chance. This right here in Kansas City is Frank Clark's best chance to build that legacy. You're right. You get that boost. You get the boost of being on a dynasty. The Patriots had that. All those players, if you play for that team, you got boosted up. Would we talk about Vince Wilfork the same way? Julian Edelman, would we talk about him the same way if he was on Detroit? No, Teddy we would Burski, not. Richard Seymour, all those guys, Troy Brown. We remember those names because the team they played for. Uh, I don't know. It's a tough one for me because I like our developmental pipeline a lot at edge FAU and George Karloftis need as many snaps as we can get them. And I'm really high in Charles and Minihue. Now Charles and Minihue can kick inside, but not all the time, not on, not, not on rushing downs. You know what I mean? So that is my big concern is will Frank Clark eat too many snaps because of his, his status in the locker room, in this city. Uh, will he eat too many of those snaps away from the young guys? Yeah, I, I would say I'm hung, but now wanted the verdict. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I had to make that joke. I was I know, the, entire, I the entire show. I'm just thinking of, of how can I how can I throw in a in a hung jury joke in here? And we uh, have this pattern of of uh, uh, a little sketchy phrasing towards the end of shows. It, it's kind of tradition here on Wacky Wednesday. So thank you for not disappointing our audience there. Yeah, which uh, way are you going to go? So. I'm going to go with not guilty because Chris Chris Jones can say what he wants. And if Frank Clark decides to take a deal for $3 million, I'm all in. If he decides to take a deal for 4 or 5 I think I'm still all in. As I mentioned, the Chiefs could still use a veteran edge rusher. They like the veteran edge rushers. Whether you look at the free agent market currently right now, you're looking at Marcus Golden, Yannick Ngakwe is too expensive. Jadavion Clowney is too expensive. Robert Quinn, who everyone wanted in Chiefs kingdom a couple of years ago, who fell off the face of the earth. I don't think people want him anymore. I don't know what he's going to end up looking like contract-wise. Not a lot out there. Now, of course, OTA's training camp. You'll probably see another veteran. Guys like Melvin Ingrams, guys like those Carlos Dunlaps, guys like Terrell Suggs probably get cut at some point, probably look at the bargain bin there. But, again, there is something to be said about Frank Clark in the playoffs. If it's a $1 or $2 million difference to keep him here, I say I'm in. So I'm going to say not guilty. I just think we're in the danger zone here when it comes to – um, putting feelings over logic, which I'm always going to be against. And Andy Reid, I think one of the things he did well, even back in Philadelphia, was he knew when to, you know, he knew when to hold him, when knew when to fold him. He knew when to get rid of guys, even when it was unpopular. I think that's the time now. It is time for a new era of of edge rushers in Kansas City. 
I just think there are too many complications here, um, including well, would Frank Clark even hold up for an entire season? I've joked that if we could put him on layaway for the entire year and then activate playoffs. Well, sign, sign him in January. I mean, that, that, that feels a little NBA-ish to me. I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, and, and football shape is a little different, but I, I'm, I'm in the minority probably. I'm going guilty. Mm. But I think the well, verdict good. probably from, from uh, again, being a Chiefs Kingdom weather vane and sticking my finger in the ear is probably not guilty. W- mm. Wouldn't you concur there? Yeah. Sounds like we're hung. I mean, if one jury, if one juror is, is uh, not on the same page as the rest, I mean, that, that's still, uh, you can still come to a verdict. I mean, seriously, maybe I'm childish, but how do people just not laugh nonstop? Like you're, you're in the, you're in the, the courtroom judge bangs the gavel we're hung now for the verdict <laughs> like, like come on i would be a horrible horrible judge would you laugh during a murder trial oh i mean that would be well i don't know it depends on i don't want to make a joke about it now it's not funny i can't be I a can't the vibe yeah I, I, man can't stop debbie downer yep well, I guess we are going with a hung jury for that one. That really wasn't an option, but I, I don't think we have any other path here. But uh, that is all we have for you guys on this Wacky Wednesday. Thanks for giving us your time again. And until next time, from Sterling, uh, for Richard, and for me, go Chiefs. Jordan fades back, swoosh, and that's the game. Nothing further, Your Honor. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.